Good morning, everyone. Appreciate everybody being here this morning. I know it's been a little crazy over the past day or so, but nonetheless, we are here and we want to study God's Word this morning. So last week we had left off with question four. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1 and... Uh, we left off with question four. So let me read the first few verses here of 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." So those were the first few verses we're looking at. And if we come down to question four, what has God's divine power given to us? And he, uh, he gives us the answer there in verse three. He says, all things that pertain to life and to godliness, right? All good things. And then it says, how? How has he given us these things? Well, he also says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, when you look at that, where do we get this knowledge? It says, through the knowledge, so where do we get this knowledge? Where are we supposed to get it from? From God through His Word. From God through His Word, right? Through the Bible. Without, without the Bible, how would we know? I mean, nowadays we're so far away without the Bible, without that miracle that God has given us so that we can know Him. It would all be word of mouth. It would all be just stories come down through history, and I don't know if that would survive the way the Bible has. So just something to realize, I mean, if he's talking about us getting knowledge and gaining knowledge, where we have to get that from? So if we look at question five, what else has been given to us? And he's referring back to verse four. Right, exceedingly great and precious promises, right? So what are what are some of those promises that we've been you know what have we been promised? A home in heaven, right? Eternal life, salvation, forgiveness, righteousness. We've been promised all those things if we follow Him and continue to grow in our knowledge. And then also, 
what else has been given to us? That we might be partakers of the divine nature. That we might be more like God and our Lord, right? Let's see. And then it says, why? Well, that was the why. Sorry about that. I guess that was the why, that we might be partakers so that we might be more like God and our Lord. I guess I kind of jumped over that. But, um, and also, uh, kind of a how, having escaped to the corruption that is in the world. By following the Lord, by following God. That's how we do that. You know, when we talk about knowledge, if we don't know what is given to us, if you don't know you have something, then do you truly have it? You know, I could tell you, or... I could put a $20 bill on the back table back there for one of you, but if I don't tell you it's back there and it's yours, do you really have it? It's kind of like that. We have to know that we have something. We have to be told. And that comes through, again, through the Bible, through God's Word. So we have to know what He's promised us, what He's given us. Does anybody have anything on that before we move on? All right. So looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 11, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now if we'll take a look at question number six regarding these, what spiritual graces are we to diligently Add to our faith. And he has quite a list there. Yeah, quite a few things, right? In verses 5 through 7. Virtue, knowledge, self-control. Perseverance. Yeah, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And I, I wrote down here. Looking at that, you'll notice how they feed into, into one another. Belief in God produces morality. What is virtue? It is goodness. It is morality. Uh, and this produces uh, knowledge of God because you want to learn more about God. And as you learn God's morality, virtue, you will change your actions and habits. You'll learn self-control. These, these all just kind of go together. Uh, now, you may have some trial and error and some failures in self-control. That's pretty normal. But through that, you learn to persevere. You learn perseverance, to not give up as you, as we 
all go through this and retrain ourselves. And this teaches us godliness so that we can sympathize with others' failings because we can see that see it in ourselves, right? And this leads to brotherly kindness and love and mercy. Again, because we sympathize and understand with one another, we know that all of us struggle and have failings. So, if we look at question number seven, what will, our, what will be our condition if we abound in these graces? Well, in verse 8, yeah? I'm sorry, did you say something, Maddie? Okay. Uh, in verse 8, neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? It is... It is fundamental, it is very important to us to have the knowledge of God. It is a fundamental thing that we must know about our Lord and, and understand these things so that we will not be barren, so that we will be fruitful in that knowledge, that we will be able to help others, help ourselves. So that if we look at question number eight, this is the opposite of that. What will be our condition if we lack these graces? Well, it says that we'll be so nearsighted that we are blind. Right, we'll be short-sighted even to the point of being blind, right? So we'll be blind of the things that we need to know, the things we need to be able to see and understand. And also says we'll be... Uh, Forgetful of being purged from our old sins. If you've seen people fall away, they, they lose track of the fact, they forget the fact that they are forgiven and that they, they move away from the Lord. The further you get away, the less you remember all the, all the reasons you were following the Lord to begin with. So if we look at question number nine, what benefit will there be in doing these things? Well, in verses 10 and 11, he says we will be, we will make our calling and election sure, right? You know, we stumble around over so many things, but if we have these things that the Bible teaches us, we won't stumble. Right, we will never stumble. He mentions that. If, if we have these things, if we work... We have those things. Right, if we work on those things, we will never stumble, right? And he also says we will have an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And an abundant... Yes, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly is the way the New King James says it. So abundantly, so that is a huge, I guess I would think of that as a huge, easy entrance, right? That makes the entrance easy. We know it's the narrow way, we know it's hard and difficult, but if we're following the Lord and we're following God, we will have an abundant entrance into the kingdom.
So we look at these verses here, though. What is our calling? What does that mean when it says, be more diligent to make your call and your election sure? Right. We're being called through God's word and our station so that our calling is kind of like it's supposed to be like our station in life, right? So it would be we're being called to be servants of God. That's what our that's what our call is, right? And our election is to understand that God has chosen us. He has chosen us. God called us and chose us to be his. So that we would live in a way that shows we are truly his people. And then we will never fail. We will never stumble. Does anyone have anything on that before we move on? Okay. So if we look at the next verses, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. For this reason... I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So with those verses in mind, if we look at uh, question 10, what was Peter careful to ensure concerning these things? And there they refer, in, at least in their thing, they're referring to questions, I mean verses 12 and 15. It says to, to remind them always, even though they know them and are well established. Well, Peter was to set an example. Right. We, as we are. We are to set an example as a Christian for others to see and to follow. Right. Peter was to set an example for others to see and to follow, right? And, yes. And uh, many times I often think of my grandparents, how they set the example for me, and and my aunts and uncles, and my mother as well. My, my father was deceased. So, we in turn need to do that. And we try to do that with our everyday life. Do we fall? Yes. <laughs> Many times we fall and fail to do that. But right. we need to keep on. Right, we should be setting that example in our everyday life. So I uh, think that's what I think that's what um, you know Peter's indicating here that even after he is gone, you will recollect all those things and remain faithful and true. Right, because he's reminding them, and he's setting that example for them. And they, they will be able to remember that after he's after he's gone. I mean, we still we still have this record now. So, 
And we know from other things in the Bible about, about him and about all the apostles. But, you know, it's not just sitting down and reading the scriptures. That, we're commanded to do that. Right. But it's the other things as well. We have to put the scriptures into practice. We have to actually act out those that belief. Yes, we do. We do have to put that into practice. We have to act that out. Um, we have to follow what we're preaching, so to speak. So if we look at verse 12, and it says, For this reason. So what's the reason? What's he referring back to? Remembering that this is a letter. He's, he's communicating thoughts to us to his audience at that time as well. What was his reason? He knew he would die soon. Right, he knew he would die soon. That's correct. He knew that. And also, he mentions, so we will be diligent, right, and gain that entrance. So he wants to make sure that they will be diligent, that we will be diligent to make our, you know, uh, call and election sure for, for that entrance that will be supplied to us to make sure that we will make it into heaven in a, in a very blunt, short way. And he knows, he does know he's going to pass. He only has so much time to communicate that. The Lord was the same. I mean, if you look at his ministry, he only had a few years. He had to, communicate everything he could in that amount of time. So if we look at question number 11, what did Peter hope to accomplish? I guess I made that too big. I, I, I think when you <coughs> uh, go to verse 13, you, you see Keep them stirred up by always remembering. Right. He wants to stir them up by reminding them, right? Because we need reminders. We, we repeat a lot of the same things over and over because we need to be reminded. And going back again, he knew he would put off his tent, as he said, right? And we know what he meant by tent, right? He just meant this body that he's inhabiting at this time here. It's just a temporary dwelling. That's why they would call it a tent. Does anybody have anything on that before we move on? All right. So if we look at verses 16 through 21, this is 2 Peter chapter 1 still, verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So if we look at question number 12, in making known the power and coming of the Lord Jesus, what did Peter claim? It's kind of an odd way to phrase that, I guess. But he says, He was there when he saw all of these things happen to Jesus. He right. He's basically saying that he's an eyewitness, right? He says, we do not follow cunningly devised fables. And he says, but we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he was an eyewitness of that. That's not, he's, he's reinforcing the fact that this is true. This is what happened, that they are witnesses of it. And this is more than just hearsay. Right. It's not just hearsay. It's him and, and others. They have more than one eyewitness. Part of the part of the apostles that were there when when Jesus ascended up into heaven, and yes. the angel told them that likewise he would descend. Yep, they saw that too. They did see Jesus ascend. You read about that in Acts, and uh, yeah, he was there for that too. He saw he was there at the transfiguration, right? So I mean, he was Peter was there during a lot of things. He's the only one that got out of the boat. I mean, maybe he wasn't perfect about walking on the water, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. So there's, you know, things to that. He was an eyewitness and he was an active participant. That showed his faith, even if it did wait. Right. Even if it faltered for a moment, still, it does show that he had faith enough to get out of the boat. Would I, I, I have to, I have to ask myself, would I actually step out of the boat? I Probably not. I probably would be like the other guys, you know. But so so Peter had a certain boldness to him and belief, definitely. Let's see. And we may have, did we? Yeah, we may have answered this question. So question 13 was, what experience in Jesus' life does Peter refer to as an example of witnessing the Lord's honor and glory? Now here they're referring to the transfiguration on the mount. And that's true, and he, you know, he did hear uh, the voice from heaven at that time. So, and that's what Peter's referring to. So, if we look then at verse, uh, sorry, question fourteen. In addition to apostolic testimony, what else do we have to which we should be careful? We should give careful heed. And he tells us there in verse 19, right? The prophetic word, the prophetic word made more sure. says, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. So, so what is the prophetic word? Well, in his case, in that immediate time, you could say that's the Old Testament prophecies, right? 
those were the prophetic words that had been confirmed for us. We, you know, we may just say the whole Bible or the Old Testament, but for them at that time, considering the Bible did not exist in its current form, you know, this would have been mainly the Old Testament prophecies that were confirmed and fulfilled through the Lord. Do you have something, Jim? Thinking about the mountain of transfiguration as that happened, God said, God declared, This is my son, and they were supposed to listen to him. We now have their testimony about what Jesus said and what has been revealed to them so that we can be assured of. Right, right. So they, yeah, at the Mount of Transfiguration, so they heard God tell them that that, is, that Jesus is his son and that they should listen to him. And I'd forgotten that part, but he does tell them to listen to him. And then, so of course, they went on to, they did listen to him. They went on to produce what we now look at as the New Testament, all those scriptures which we need to listen to in turn, right? I mean, that's the way that should work. So if we look down at question 15, how does this word serve us? And again, he's referring to really to verse 19, though if you think of it in an open-ended way, it's a lot, there's a lot to that, a lot of answers to that. But what he specifically says in verse 19 is, As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Now, I put down because that's, that's a very nice saying, right? But I, I put down, so what does this actually mean? What does that actually mean to us if we, if we break this down? We have hope, right? That's that light in the darkness, right? It gives us hope. It's our guide. It's our guide, right? Right, it, it's our guide. It brings us understanding of the Lord and God. And I guess we could go on about a number of other things. Um, the morning star, that usually refers to Jesus, right? Is that not how we think of that? I'm kind of surprised here. In, in this translation, the New King James Version, they didn't capitalize Morning Star. I almost think they probably should have because I think that's the intent, is that the Lord is rising in our hearts, you know. I think of, the, I think of that as, yes, Jesus, but also it is um, the dawn of a new day in our life. It is. Yeah, Christianity is equivalent to the, the dawn of a new day in our lives when we're baptized into the Lord, yeah. Because when you look in the sky in the morning, mm -hmm. if you have the privilege of seeing the sunrise, the open, yeah. which many of us don't, but um, yes, you will see that star. Right. And it's the hope of a, it, it's God's creation, it's the hope of a new, new day. It's the hope of a new day. 
And God's mercy is renewed every new day, right? So it's all it's all good and hopeful things. I just I just wanted us to take a moment and look at it. It sounds almost poetic in a way, and sometimes it's easy to miss some of that, some of that hope and some of that good meaning that's there. So if we look at uh, question 16, what should be remembered regarding the prophetic prophetic word? Mostly we should remember, always remember, that it didn't come from man's idea. This came straight from God. Right. It came from God. The, the idea here of private interpretation is really speaking, and you can tell it in verse 21, speaking of the origin of the Bible, the origin of God's Word, it did not come from the will of man, but from holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Does anybody have anything else on that before we move to chapter 2? How can I trust the Bible? You know, it was written by men. Right. And I, I have used that before. Right. And that is that is a good point. Uh, a lot of folks do do look at the Bible and they say, well, there's all kinds of errors and problems with it, and how can I trust that? And we have to we have to believe and trust in God that this was uh given to us by him, that he engineered this and designed this for us so that we could know him. So if we look at chapter 2, and I'm going to skim through the first part of the, the outline and things, which is pretty much what I've been doing, right? So the objectives in this chapter, now this, this is the objectives of uh, like Mark Copeland from the workbook, but still you'll see that this is what the chapter is about, so I don't mean to put that down or anything. But to examine Peter's detailed description of false teachers, to be aware of their techniques and leading others astray and their sad end, to ascertain whether or not these false teachers had ever been true Christians. So, the previous chapter was enforcing the idea that we needed knowledge of God. And here, we're going to get into, basically in a way, how to use that knowledge to be aware and to stay away from false teaching in a lot of ways. So the the main points of the chapter, I'm just going to hit those. The destructiveness of false teachers, the doom of false teachers, the depravity of false teachers. You can see there's a theme here. The deceptions of false teachers. And that's what this chapter is mainly about. So if we look at the first three verses, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. 
And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. So if we look at uh, question two, what does Peter warn that false teachers will do? In verse 1, he says there, let's see, see if I can read this right. So it says they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, right? Even denying the Lord who bought them. They will even deny the Lord. And the Lord bought us, right, with his, with his blood, with his sacrifice. So, if we look at uh, the next question, question number three, what impact will such false teachers have? Or, I would say, can have anyway, if we allow that type of thing. Well, people who don't know the word and even some who seem to know the word can be deceived so easily by the things we hear and things we believe and things that are us around us. Right. I mean, you know, it's easy to read God's Word, but it's also easy for man to look so innocent and so good, you know, saying, well, this is the way God meant for it to be, and you follow that path, and leaving God's Word behind. Yeah, some people will, many will follow their destructive ways, is, is how he says it in the verse, but yeah, people will be deceived, and they will follow, and sometimes... You know, sometimes that deception you can put on, again, just in the previous chapter, he's reinforcing the need for knowledge. Um, and part of the reason is so you won't be fooled or deceived. But uh, a lot of people are deceived into following things that are bad. They're led astray, right? By someone who, well, he's going to get more into this, but uh, by someone who is basically a, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Well, and they actually will deceive the very, um, you know, even even us. They, as Christians, they will deceive the Christians. Yes. Because they, they That's what they want to do. They have basically don't have the the knowledge of God's word that they that they need. I guess. Right. They're very lax in that, so it doesn't take much for them to go astray or leave the church or, you know. Right. If we are lax and not diligent, like he was speaking about in learning and, and studying the Word and knowing about God, if we're not diligent, then it's easy for us to be deceived and led astray. We can all be led astray. Every one of us. Right. If we're not careful. If we're not careful, right. right. Yes. We all... We all could be if we did not watch out and be aware and study the Word. And yeah, any of us could be deceived and led astray on a number of different points or fronts. But that's why, that's why we have the Bible and that's why we should be increasing our knowledge. And it says the way of truth will be blasphemed also. 
Because, of course, if you're believing the wrong thing, then you're going to be speaking and promoting the wrong thing, right? So that will be contrary to the truth. Does anybody have anything else on that before we close? I think we're out of time here for this morning. All right. So thank you all for your time, for your attention, for your interaction.